Have you ever visited a house claimed to be haunted? When you looked upon it, did you feel as though the house was looking back? As you walked up the pathway, did your stomach drop and your hand tremble ever so slightly as you turned the doorknob to enter? Gathering your nerves, stepping across the threshold, did it feel like it took actual strength as if you were crossing through some invisible barrier. No one blamed you for turning tail and putting as much distance between you and the house as you could. Isn't it only natural to fear an invisible menacing entity? Good evening and welcome to Small Town Shadows. I'm your host, Victoria and I am here to weave you a tale that is sure to send shivers down your spine. As always, the following account is based on real events. However, the names and locations have been changed to protect the privacy of those involved. Please keep in mind that these narratives are not for the faint of heart and may frighten or disturb you. But now, before you get too comfortable, you should go turn off your lights. It's time to relax, clear your mind, and sip some tea as I take you to the small town of Santa Rosa de Copan, Honduras. over the letter from the diocese for a third time. He was given explicit instructions to join a fellow priest at La Finca Los Naranjos, and together they would clean the place up and ready it for a week-long retreat for priests from all over the diocese this summer. All travel arrangements for the two priests have been taken care of. All they need to do is gather what they will require to scrub bathrooms down, dust away decades of cobwebs, and deal with uninvited guests of any variety. Father Arlen jotted down a few items on the back of the letter and headed off to the store. He wasn't bothered by the menial task of cleaning a house. He was more unsettled about the idea of needing to deal with a potential rat infestation, or worse, countless spider nests. His plan was to buy as many bug-killing sprays and rat traps as his wallet would allow. The diocese did say he could submit the receipts for reimbursement. They just need the dollar amount. They won't ask why he needed 23 bottles of Raid. After buying the local hardware store out of every pest control item they had and a cart full of bleach and rags, Arlen headed home to pack. It would be nice to get away for a few days, if only for a change of scenery and a breath of fresh air. Promptly, at 8 a.m. the following morning, a taxi honked, alerting Arlen to gather his luggage and head out the door. Jureth, the taxi driver, tried to make small talk, 
but after a few rounds of the incoming hurricane and traffic patterns, the two men ran out of things to discuss, so the car fell silent. A few hours into the drive, Jareth rolled the taxi to a stop a good mile away from Arlen's destination. Aren't you going to drive me to the door? Arlen was confused. Jareth shook his head. Oh, no, sir. This is where the fare paid through. I'm sorry, but this is where I leave you. He looked around nervously, refusing to make eye contact with Arlen. But all my luggage, it's going to take me forever to walk there. Nothing Arlen said made a difference. Jareth didn't waver, and soon Arlen was making the slow trek on foot to the small estate. Off in the distance, Arlen could hear the thunder approaching. He quickened his pace so as to avoid the incoming storm. It wasn't long until he was indoors, attempting to suss out where the sound of fluttering and small screeches were coming from. He soon located a family of bats nesting in the pantry, and after ushering them out, he decided next on the agenda was to determine how best to illuminate every room in the house. Time ticked by, and soon the house was doused in light, garbage bags were filling up, and the permeating scent of Clorox burned Arlen's nostrils. It certainly wasn't an easy undertaking, but it was incredibly satisfying. By the time Arlen crawled into his sleeping bag, he was aching from head to toe. Closing his eyes, he said his prayers and added a special thanks for the fact that another priest would be helping him out tomorrow. Night slowly broke into dawn, and although Arlen slept, he didn't sleep well. Tossing and turning all night, trying to get comfortable in an uncomfortable place, and waking up every few hours from disturbing, unintelligible dreams does not make for a great night's rest. But just as the sun peeked up over the horizon, a loud knocking sound echoed throughout the house, giving Arlen the excuse he needed to just give up on sleeping and start the day. It took him a moment to get to the front door, all the while the knocking booming around the house. But there, standing across the threshold, stood a fellow priest, a decade or so Arlen's senior. Good morning, Father. Sorry for taking so long to get to the door. This house is much like a maze. No doorway seems to lead you where you think it should. Either that, or my memory is beginning to fail me, but I feel I am much too young for that ailment yet. Arlen smiled, greeting the guest. Come in, come in, before the storm washes you away. The newcomer smiled and bowed his head in response, stepping into the entranceway. It's certainly coming down hard out there. How are you so dry? Arlen noted as he closed the door behind the man. My taxi wouldn't take me all the way to the door. I had to walk. Oh, I didn't have any issues. I'm Father Edmund. The man stretched out his hand to greet Arlen. The two men spoke briefly about the task at hand. 
Arlen mentioned the bat colony, and then proceeded to give Edmund a tour, pointing out the areas that he felt would be best tackled as a team. The rain came down heavily, flooding the road that led to and from La Finca Los Naranjos, but fortunately, there were no cars for miles, leaving Father Arlen oblivious to the horror he welcomed in. This episode of Small Town Shadows is sponsored by Deerling Blends, a delicious, all-organic, sustainable tea brand that gives back to charity with every purchase. It tastes more than feel good. Check out their website to find old favorites and fun new teas. And now back to Honduras. Hours ticked by, and the silence was only broken by the sporadic crack of thunder. The two men barely spoke to each other, not for lack of Arlen trying, but between the deafening storm and Edmund's austere nature, there was very little Arlen could pull out of him. This left Arlen to his own thoughts, which at this point were rather repetitive and mundane given that he's been demolding a bathroom for the last two hours. What an odd priest. How does he get his congregation to open up to him? How does he reach the youth if he doesn't speak much? I wonder why the diocese picked him to clean this house. Better yet, why did they pick me? Wait a minute. Arlen scrunched his forehead trying to recall something that just occurred to him. Edmund? Where did you put your luggage? I don't remember you carrying anything when you got here. Edmund did not reply. Father? Arlen hollered again. Father Edmund? A crack of lightning split the sky, and the power flickered out throughout La Finca Los Naranjos. Arlen jumped at the sound and sudden darkness that consumed him. He rummaged around his toolbox to find a flashlight, but unfortunately had no luck. He was able to locate a small matchbox though, and gingerly ignited one of the few matches. As the flame burst to life, dousing the small area in an orange hue, Arlen heard an unexpected sound. Laughter, like that of children playing. At first, Arlen thought nothing of it. His ears were still ringing, and there's absolutely no children in the house. He had been all over the estate and was sure that he and Edmund were the only current, living, breathing residents. But then he heard it again, closer this time, as if the children were playing in the hallway, running in and out of each room. Arlen rubbed his ears and shook his head, trying to make the ringing stop. How was he hearing this? Then he thought back to his childhood science classes. Maybe the storm was carrying the sound from another house in the valley? That was a thing, right? Suddenly, 
a child's giggle and whisper, Dad, you're it, came from right behind Arlen, and he felt a forceful push on his leg, about the height of a small child. He whirled around to see who was there, but found an empty, dark room. His match burned out. He lit a new match. Advancing down the hallway, Arlen kept calling out for Edmund, all the while banging open every door and quickly assessing for children. Hurry, he's getting closer. A small child's voice came from up ahead. Arlen nearly tripped trying to run closer to the voice. Who's there? Uh, hello? Is anyone there? Arlen yelled, trying to sound calm and welcoming, even though his heart was racing and he could barely see. The match blew out. Then another set of giggles echoed down the hallway. Arlen jumped backward. He outstretched his arm, trying to feel around for what, or who, blew out the match. But his fingers found nothing. Shh! Arlen lit another match. The match once again was blown out, and more giggles rang out around him. Arlen closed his eyes, trying to steady his breathing. This is all a trick of the darkness, that's all. I'm overly tired from working so hard and hallucinating from inhaling so many chemicals. That's all this is. Keeping his eyes closed and his arm outstretched, he began slowly making his way further down the hallway in the direction he believed to be his makeshift living quarters. Left foot forward, right foot forward. Left foot, right foot. Left, right. Left, right. Abruptly, a heavy hand gripped Arlen's shoulder. Are you all right? Arlen jumped in alarm. Didn't mean to scare you. But I didn't think you colliding into the banister and plunging over the balcony was a great idea. Father Arlen looked back and forth from his imminent danger to Father Edmund's face. I'm sorry, I got lost and confused in the darkness. I thought I was on the other side of the house. That's all right. It's better that you made your way here anyway. I had been calling for you, but I don't think you could hear me over the storm. I made dinner for us. Edmund put his arm around Arlen's shoulders and steered him into the kitchen. I do hope you like soup. Nothing is better than hot soup on a day like this. Arlen sat, thanked Edmund for the dinner, and devoured it. He had been so busy and distracted that he hadn't noticed how hungry he had gotten. Aren't you going to sit and eat too? I already ate, 
After I called you a couple of times, I figured I may as well eat, then come find you. Luckily, you found me just as I finished. Arlen noticed the dish and spoon in the drying rack. Would you like seconds? I'm completely full, and since there's no working refrigerator at this time, it's all just going to go to waste. Arlen nodded his head, holding out his bowl for another round. By the time Arlen had finished the remaining soup from the pot, Edmund had left the kitchen. He quickly cleaned the pot, bowl, and spoon, then headed in the opposite direction in an attempt to locate his sleeping bag. He was only walking for a few moments before a horribly acrid scent engulfed him. The smell made him dizzy, and for a moment he got turned around. He quickly found the matchbook in his pocket and struck the last match. What Father Arlen saw made his stomach twist, his head spin, and his eyes burn. He was standing in the doorway of a room with many beds, and on the beds were many children. Long deceased and in the late stages of decomposition. These children all laid perfectly still, paying no mind to the maggots and flies that squirmed and flitted about them. Arlen gripped the wall behind him as he staggered backwards out of the doorway. Holding his hand over his mouth to stop himself from vomiting, he closed his eyes and began repetitively praying the Our Father. There you are. Edmund appeared in front of Arlen, walking out of the room of death and decay. Are you all right? You look like you just saw a ghost. Edmund was clearly trying to make a joke, but his voice fell flat. Arlen's head was reeling. You don't see them? Was all Arlen could muster. He gestured to the room behind Edmund. See who? Edmund craned his neck, peering into the bedroom. It's just an old filthy room with a bunch of rotting mattresses. Getting rid of that stench is going to be an endeavor. The children! The dead children! Arlen interrupted. How do you not see them? He pushed Edmund aside to look upon the carnage again, but stopped abruptly. The bodies were gone. The fluid-stained sheets were gone. Even the maggots and flies were no longer there. All that remained were mattresses with questionable discolorations. Arlen was shaking his head, rubbing his temples, and repeating the Our Father over and over again. Come on, let me help you to bed. I think you've had a long two days and this storm is getting the better of you. Edmund gently guided Arlen to their sleeping quarters. He sat up with Arlen, saying their prayers together and trying to soothe his anxieties and illusions. 
It wasn't long until both men were sound asleep. Harlan jolted awake. His stomach twisted into knots, and he felt as though he were being stabbed repeatedly. His head was throbbing, and he was pooling sweat. He tried standing up, but his body felt heavy, too heavy, as if he hadn't fully woken up yet. He tried calling out to Edmund, but as he opened his mouth, froth and bile oozed out. He began choking, doing his best to breathe. Suddenly, the house filled with a cacophony of groans, cries, and screams. Arlen frantically looked about, trying to move any of his limbs, doing his best to breathe. He then locked eyes with a small figure. A little girl stood at the foot of his sleeping bag, crying, her mouth frothing. Then a little boy appeared next to her. He too was crying and vomiting on himself. Soon, Arlen's sleeping bag was surrounded by many children, all in excruciating pain, all expressing themselves through sounds rather than words. They simply stared at Arlen as he struggled, grasping for breath that wouldn't come. Now, children, you know late. Off to bed. You'll be able to play with Father Arlen tomorrow. Edmund loomed over Arlen's sleeping bag. Arlen watched with mounting terror as the children scampered back out of the room. I'm very disappointed in you for waking the children. You will soon learn how insufferable and disobedient they are. You will be grateful for their bedtime, you'll see. Now it's time for you to go back to sleep, Arlen. Edmund put a hand over Arlen's mouth, closing it, cutting off the last pitiful breath Arlen had grasped. The morning dawned brightly Birds twittered about as a man, dragging his luggage, slowly made his way up the dirt path to La Finca Los Naranjos. In his coat pocket was a letter from the diocese, instructing him to help a fellow priest clean up this estate for the priest's summer retreat. He felt bad that he was delayed two whole days due to the storm, but he planned to make it up to the other priest by working extra hard. As he approached the house, he noticed how peaceful it looked. It was easy to see why the diocese wanted to stay here. It was beautiful, large enough to house at least 50 people, if not more, and it was far from town, giving them the solitude they desire. He smiled, thinking about how lucky he was to get to enjoy this place twice once now to clean it up, and again over the summer. If only he could see Father Arlen banging on the balcony window. If only he could hear the children's screams 
as they ran all around the house. The priest approached the door and knocked twice before waltzing right into his worst nightmare and impending demise. Do you believe that a priest charged with caring for a number of orphans would so cruelly end their lives as well as his own? Do you believe that all who spend the night at the estate never survive to tell the tale? Do you believe in La Casa Embrujada of Santa Rosa de Copan? I'd love to hear what you think. Tell me your thoughts, theories, or experiences in the comments section below. And be sure to subscribe so that you can be properly spooked every Friday night. And on that note, sleep tight. And don't forget to check under your bed for any lurking guests.